Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. Now speak to us, Lord. We worship you. We pray to you. We hope you were not tired of our voices. But now, Lord, it's time you spoke to us. Above all, that's the reason we have come to your house. To hear your voice, not the voice of man, the voice of God. For you alone have the words of life. Speak to us, every one of us. Meet us at our true point of need. We have come with many wants, but you alone know what we really need. Touch us there. Meet us there. And help us there. Come at this time into the hands, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Priscilla also has sent a prayer request. She wants an office job for Biju. Pray, because she travels a lot, because she works in the railways, no? She wants her husband home. That's a good job. That's a good prayer. Who comes back home. A nine to five job. Are we ready? Sammy, are we ready? Okay. So last week, we had looked at the blessing, depending upon our tragedy of choices. We have the freedom to choose. And God will never take it away. Never take it away. And that's what makes man, man. That's primarily what God means by he made us in the image of God. So today you have the choice to, to listen. And if you don't listen, if you are a minor under my care, I'll call you by name. Because that's my choice. Okay. And uh, you have a choice to write it down on your smartphone if you are smart or if you are not smart like me, a book and a pen. I stick to, I do on my phone too, but then it gets all scrambled up. Okay. These are all choices we make. Then when you go back home, you can choose to listen again so that God will speak to you certain points a second time. Or things which you didn't hear the first time, a second. These are all choices we make. Free will. You can either abuse, misuse, or use your free will. Ultimately, at the end of your life, you end up by the choices you and I made. God will tell us how we can use our free will. He will invite us from my last Sunday. Come. All invitations. He won't force us. He won't force us. He will invite us. He will tell us this is how you need to make your choices. But only you and I can choose. By the way, we can only make choices. We can not determine the results. Like when Justin, Sister Justin prayed, yes, it's scripture. You ultimately reap what you choose, what you sow. Sowing is choosing. You cannot sow apple seeds and expect oranges. 
You sow apple, you reap apple. If you take care of your seed and water it, God will give the increase. Or it will bring forth according to its kind. So every time when you rise up according to your shift timings, when you rise up early in the morning or late in the night, whatever your timing is, because we live in a different kind of world, so we cannot strictly apply scripture. Okay? When you come to God, to hear from God, honestly I'm telling you, to hear from God, that's why we study the word of God, to hear from God, the prayer was to hear from God. We all want to hear from God. Hearing one word from God is worth hearing 10,000 words from man. One word from God. One word. You're doing something. Seriously something. Investing your time, energy, money, everything into it and hear one word from God. Stop. Stop. Okay. One word from God. But there are prerequisites to hearing from God. In Matthew 10, 28. Okay. Matthew 10, 28. This is what Jesus said. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You need to fear God. I don't want to make it very palatable and politically correct that fear means reverential. Oh no, just fear him. Dread him because he has the power to put us in hell. When you go to a criminal court, you don't go like this. You go with trembling. Because you know that man sitting or that woman sitting behind the chair has the power to lock you up for life. That's what he's saying. Don't fear, but those who can kill your body. Fear him. Healthy dose of fear every day swallow. Who has the power to lock you up forever and ever. Why do we fear him? Because he alone has the power. To lock up souls in hell. Second, why do we fear him? First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous, what? Will not. He is righteous. He is righteous. Fear him because he's righteous. And on the day of judgment, the yardstick of judgment will be his righteousness. Therefore, the only way you and I can become righteous is by believing in what Christ has done and continue believing in what he says. We become practitioners of righteousness now. Okay, that is what faith does. When you walk by faith, you are righteous. There's only one way from the beginning till the end. You're called to walk by faith because then it is the righteousness of God. We need to fear him. One, he has power. Second, he is righteous and he will judge us by righteousness. Third thing, not necessarily in that order, I just put that. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10, 11 and 14. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise, and elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. Therefore, Everything, everything will be burned up. The heavens, the earth, everything will be burned up because it's going to create a new heavens and a new earth because the first heaven was marred by Satan and his cohorts fall and the earth was marred by man's fall. And why will God 
burn it all up. Not just because he's righteous, because he's holy. Everything has touched, creation has touched his holiness. His righteousness and holiness are not the same thing. Righteousness is basically in acts. Holiness is the nature of God. Nature of God. Therefore God says, be holy as I am holy. Okay? So we fear God. Why do we fear God? Therefore it says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy contact and holiness, godliness? And verse 14 will say, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. He is powerful. He can lock us up in hell forever and ever. Therefore, fear him. He is righteous. The scepter of his kingdom is righteousness and he will judge us by the righteousness of Christ. (coughs) Is Christ in you or not? Third, he is holy. So, fear him. Fear him. Fear him. Why do I say that? Look at an unbelievable example. Luke 23, verse 39 and 40. This is Calvary. Jesus is hanging on the cross. On one side is a cross. uh, Under the cross, a criminal is hanging. He's a criminal, condemned by the Romans. Another side, another fellow. They're called thieves. So, they are hardened criminals to be executed. They are hanging on the cross. Now listen to them. Then one of the criminals who was who were hanged blasphemed him saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering him rebuked him saying, Do you not even fear God seeing you are under the same condemnation? The entire world, entire world, irrespective of religion, is divided into two groups. Those who fear God and those who do not fear God. There are those who fear God in Hinduism, in Islam, in Buddhism, in Jainism. God will save them. Because when they hear, they will believe. There are multitudes, even in Christianity, who do not fear God. And they will not hear the voice of God. Because to hear the voice of God, that was Peter's response in Cornelius' house. He shocked. He says, I understand from every nation, Those who fear God, God will save them. Because fearing God is the primary criteria for hearing from Him. And that's what religion does. But in every religion, there are people who do not fear God at all. And there is one fellow hanging there at the verge of death and will go to hell because he does not fear God. And the other fellow fears God, and therefore he will make it. And he will say, Lord, when you come to your kingdom, he says, surely. What are the differences between these two criminals? One, both were criminals. but One feared God. Get this picture very, very clear. Because if you don't fear God, it does not mean we will not fall or sin. But if you have that fear, that fear. Once you lose that fear, I will tell you, you're almost unredeemable. God cannot speak to you. Once fear is gone, once fear is gone, if you look at, this was the argument. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. You will not? God said, if you eat, 
you will die. And the devil said, you will not die. You know what they lost? They lost the fear of God. And death came in. That was what the devil was attacking. He knows as long as they fear, they will not disobey. Let me tell them, you can sin. There are no consequences. He took the fear out and they fell. That is basically what happens. That is basically what happens. Once fear is gone, there are no consequences. You can do what you want. There are no consequences. Look at 3.22, what God says. And the Lord said, Behold, man has become like one of us to know good and evil. But now lest us put his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. He says, let's kick them out. Because now they have lost the fear. And they will die. But now if they eat of this, they will live forever without fear. They cannot be redeemed. They cannot be redeemed. So let's keep them out. Because some of them can be redeemed. Some of them can be redeemed. So get this picture in. It is good to have the fear. There are consequences. There are consequences. And that's what Jacinta was praying for children. That's what children have to be taught when they are small. There are consequences when you disobey. There are consequences. They will realize fear has to be there. Fear has to be there. It is good to grow in it. Because you know what? Keep you on the right side of the road. So we talked yesterday or, or last Sunday about choices. We want God to help us to make choices. Right? God. We know Psalm 25. It's a beautiful Psalm where David prays, Lord, teach me your ways. Show me your paths. That is in verse, show me your ways. Lord, teach me your paths. We saw he leads the humble, leads the meek and all. But there's something else he says in verse 12. Listen to it carefully. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. If God wants to make choices for you, fear him. Otherwise, he will not make. He will just leave it open before you and leave it to choose. But if God wants to make choices for you. God wants to make choices for you. Think about it. If God can make your choices, you will never go wrong. You cannot go wrong. Cannot go. It's impossible for you to go wrong because the choices are made by God. Who does he? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses for you. He will choose the way for you. And you go in the way, he will continuously keep teaching. Okay. Because we are talking about choices. Choices, choices, choices. Everybody sitting here, is there some total of choices? Choices. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today. Again, this pivotal points in Israel's history. One generation lost. Wandered in the desert. Taken care of. Basic needs are met. Okay. But otherwise wasted their life. Next generation is getting ready. There's going to be a transition from one leader to another leader. It's a pivotal moment in their history. This is what God says. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore choose. He's just making. He said choose life. That you may. You and your. Like I said, your choices go beyond you. Your choices go beyond you. You don't make a choice for yourself. You make a choice for so many others who will follow you. 
for your dissonance. So God is saying, choose. I sit before you. Life, death, blessing, curses, good, evil. It's your choices that will determine it. Your choices will determine it. Make your choices. One generation is over. Old man Joshua. Practically similar words. In Joshua 24, he says, Yeah, can I have it? I didn't give it. Oh, I'm so sorry. If I didn't give it, it's 24, 14, and 15. And after that, it is First Kings 18, 21. Did I miss all three? Okay. Therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. He's saying the same thing. He said, my generation is over. We have made our choices. We made our choices. And we have brought, occupied the land. It's our land. You had peace from the enemies all this life. Our time is up. Now it's your time. Make your choices. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. The gods beyond the rivers, the forefathers worshipped, or Yahweh who gave this land. Choose. Another pivotal point in Israel's history. It's gone down the drain. Ahab is ruling along with Jezebel on Mount Carmel. You have this conflict between God and his servant, Elijah, with the prophets of Baal. And this is what Elijah says in 18.21. And Elijah said, came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is, follow him. But the people answered him, not a says, choose. See, we have to make choices. We have to make choices. Who to serve, who to follow, what to choose. We have to choose. Anyway, even in the secular world, you have to make choices. And to make choices, temporal and eternal, we need one thing. We call it information. God calls it knowledge. In Hosea, and chapter 4 and verse 6, the Lord says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Because of lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being a priest. So understand, a priest, or modern day terms, a pastor, his job is not house visits. Though he may visit houses. His job primarily is to see that you have the knowledge of God to make choices. And when churches don't do that, that man has failed as a priest of God. My primary job, Pastor Vijay's primary job, our job, is to give you the knowledge to make your choices. We cannot choose for yourself. I can only choose for myself. But to make any choice, you need information. And the greatest information you can have, which is eternal, is the knowledge of God. Who is God? How does his mind work? How, what are his thoughts? How does he choose? What are his ways? The knowledge of God. And once the knowledge of God is passed on to you, which Paul will say, the whole counsel of God, our hands are free. We are not guilty of any man, woman or child's blood. But now, you have access to the knowledge. What will you choose? What will you choose? Because knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. 
because with knowledge you can make informed choices yeah now do people buy anything just like that no <laughs> they look at everything that is available different brands study the brands read the small letter and make an investment but when it comes to your eternity people have so bindas the most important thing in your life is when i die where will i go so bindas about it people are how can you be so nonchalant about it you have to know for yourself you have knowledge you should have knowledge you can search because we have a god who said if you seek me you will find me but we have to seek temporal knowledge is temporal it is what we call subjects in college okay physics is physics in india in china in russia everywhere it is the same right electricity in china does not have a flat nose electricity in india does not have a brown face it is the same everywhere for the knowledge of god what we call doctrine ideology you are exactly what you think you are not what you look like don't get fooled by looks you are not what you look like you are how you think when the bible says god never changes it's because he never changes the way he thinks never changes the way he thinks he never changes the way he acts he's forever the same yesterday today and forever so how god thinks is called the doctrine of god or the doctrine of christ that's how god thinks for us to make it easy to understand he sent his son he came in the human he came his son came and you know what happened through the son we see how god thinks and how god acts now remember there are so many ideologies outside and many people sitting here is a sum total of ideologies and my job is to wield the word of god like a hammer i didn't say it god said it through jeremiah to break this ideologies we are a mixture of feminists and communists and socialists and humanists and some minds are just empty and we don't even realize we are that because it came in unconsciously through the movies we watched the stories we read the friends we talked to it things were getting in doctrine was getting formed and ultimately that is who we are but you need to realize god doesn't occupy his seat with anybody else that is our struggle with the living god we just want him to share our space mind with many other idols but is an idol breaker ultimately doctrine will determine your eternity be serious ultimately what you believe 
will determine your eternity. One, whether you will make it there. Two, what you will be there. Doctrine will determine. Except last yesterday evening in the Q&A, I said, except for babies and madmen, everybody else has doctrine. Babies don't have doctrine because their minds are not functioning. Madmen became mad because of doctrine. Honestly, that's how they, they became mentally unstable because they could not handle contradictory doctrines. And finally their mind fell apart. Even children have doctrine. Do you know that? If you were to ask Abigail or like a, um, um, no. Abigail, yeah, Abigail, yeah, I was thinking about Emmanuel, okay. Abigail, Joanne, any of the little ones over here, you, they come to your house and they say, okay, have a chocolate. Now what they will say? Let me check with mommy. What is that? It's doctrine. Mommy has said when you can eat, when you cannot eat. Whether you can eat or whether you cannot eat. They didn't understand doctrine, but they have received a doctrine. Don't talk to strangers. Why? They don't have to know. They have received a doctrine which is connected with the person. The person said, don't, don't. When you grow up, you will understand why it was said. So except for babies, everybody functions on doctrines. That's how you make your choices. You reject doctrine, you reject life. That's why animals don't have doctrine, because they don't have a will to choose. They only go through instincts. God has put those instincts in them, but they don't make choices. Because they don't have a mind that functions, and they don't have a will to choose. So, keep that in mind. We need the fear of God. We need the knowledge of God. And then we make choices. We need the fear of God because of who he is, all-powerful, holy, righteous. We need the fear of God. Two, let me honestly think about it. Think about it. Let us see you've been caught in a crime and you are guilty. And there are many courts in Nambali. And your lawyer says, your court is in court number two in Nambali. And he will say, yes. He says, the judge is very tough. Very righteous. Will he be happy or sad? See, when the righteousness of the judge in the criminal court increases, your fear level goes up. Because the lawyer tells you, uske kuch nahi Prepare for the worst. He's preparing you for your execution. See, we have to use practical terms to understand what is to stand before God. All powerful. This guy can put you there into jail. And you have many avenues for appeal all the way to Supreme Court to mercy petition if you are to be hanged. Many avenues. There is no avenues. Because for all your days of your life, he kept on saying, come, 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 come. You did not go. There he says, go. Depart. I believe that's the only time he will raise his voice. Depart from me. Workers of iniquity. I do not know you. Okay? So, get this healthy. Very good. It's very good for your spiritual health. Of fear of God. Grow in the knowledge of God. Make informed choices. Because God leaves it to us. You can choose. Life or death. 
So as you go through in life, look unto Jesus. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 will tell this. Therefore we also, since you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Because you have to make right choices, you have to endure. In both verses, there's one common word. It's a word called endure. You have to endure. Walk with God. It's an endurance race. Will you last till the end? Because in the narrow way, choices are very simple and few. In the broad way, choices are multiple. The question is, will you stick making those choices? Will you endure till the end? Can you endure till the end? And you're going to be attacked 24-7 by the enemy to make choices that takes you off the road. Therefore, when the gospel comes, it's interesting when the gospel calls comes. The first call, if you turn with me to Matthew, Chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the first call of God is he appeals to your reason. Change your mind and turn the way you are going. Turn. What is the reason? The reason is the kingdom of God is very near. Once the kingdom of God has come in, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Either you die or he comes. Judgment is set. Before that, change your mind. Change your mind before that. Change your direction before that. The word repent has two meanings. One in Hebrew, one in Greek. Very simple. One means change your thinking. Change your mind the way you are thinking. Change the way you are thinking. Second, Turn, meaning one is internal, other is external. There is a corresponding thought and a corresponding action. Both, then you have repented. So the first call of the gospel is repent. And when the call comes, you have a choice. What will you do? What will you do? If you look at verse 3, right? Why only gave you two verses? Only two I gave you? Okay, fine. Turn. 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 Why? For this is who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. If you don't repair. Repentance is the pathway for the Lord to come in. Otherwise you cannot believe. Two objects cannot occupy the same space. It's a simple physical thing which we all know. It cannot occupy the same space. So if you have a contradictory idea and the kingdom of God itself is a doctrine, these two will not occupy the same. And most people have not believed, though they think they have believed because they haven't repented. Most of the conflicts we are facing within as a body in the church is because we have not repented. It's not because we haven't heard or believed. We think we have believed, but I am not able to change because you haven't repented. Which has added one more ideology into our baggage. So you can be a socialist and a communist at the same time. 
You can be a humanist and a feminist at the same time, but you stand alone as a Christian. You cannot be a Christian and a humanist. You cannot be a Christian and a feminist. You cannot. You contradict the doctrine of Christ. And you will always face conflict. Always face conflict. And that's our problem. It's not that one day you change, but as you go farther, as you go farther, you are, let us say, you were a feminist. You became a Christian. You surrendered. And you think the feminism has gone. Until the Supreme Court may rule tomorrow, Roe versus Wade, where do you stand? Autonomy of your body or the rights of the unborn child, where do you stand? You suddenly you realize, all my friends are saying, women's rights, where do I stand? Suddenly you realize, there are two doctrines in your head. You have to make your peace with God. And it will determine your destiny. Determine your destiny. Because until that came to face, you did not realize it was there. Everybody will have to face. As you grow in the knowledge of God, you will realize it is like that tree. It grows and grows and grows and grows and fills your entire soul where all it is there is the knowledge of God and the knowledge of God alone. And then the kingdom has come in its fullness. And Jesus came to show us what does it mean to walk in the kingdom. Why? Because if you don't repent, what will happen? You will perish. Simple. Whichever area of your life, after receiving the knowledge of God, you have not repented. Let me tell you, the authority of the word of God, it's simply perishing. It will die a natural death. Because, only because, other areas may be flourishing, but that area is perishing. You know why? Because you refuse to repent and believe. Luke 15 and verse 17, the most famous of Jesus' parables, which makes everybody feel so good until you read it closely. The prodigal son. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And I perish. You have to come to that point. Then only you will repent. Because you realize, I have only two choices left. Either I repent or I perish. That's when he realizes, and my back is against the wall. If I don't change, I will perish. I will perish. I will perish. He comes to that point. And verse 18, now he's thinking, he's being objectively looking at the facts of his life. I've reached the pig pen, pig pen and there are husks. I would like to eat that. Even that, they are not giving it to me. And he's thinking, where did I come from? Where did I come from? Where am I? Remember the questions in the Bible? That is the fifth question God asks in the Bible to Hagar. Hagar is running away from Abraham's house, the only house where the presence of God is. The angel of the Lord meets her on the way and asks her this question. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Do you have any clue? No one this thing. He says, go back and submit to your mistress. You got an issue, young lady. You got an issue with submission. And you're running away from the house of life to the house of death. Go back. Come. Do you know where you're going? Going from and going to? 
He thinks very rationally. He sits down. He thinks it all. And then in the next verse, verse 18, he makes a choice. It's a decision of his will. I will arise. I will arise. And I will go and I tell my father, I've sinned against God. That's what comes first, heaven, God. I've sinned against God and sins against you. You know what he had never lost? He had not lost his fear of God. Therefore, he could be redeemed. Prodigals who have lost the fear of God cannot be redeemed because they are rebels. I have always said it from the pulpit. All are sinners, but all are not rebels. But all rebels are sinners. All sinners are not rebels. Sometimes we look at people and look at the quantum of sin, like the Samaritan woman. She's not a rebel. She's a sinner. Then you look at this Pharisee who says, I have done this, I have done this, I have done this. God says, you know that man? He's a rebel. He will never enter into the kingdom of God. That's why he looked at them and said, the tax collectors and the harlots are entering into the kingdom of God, but you guys are outside. Why? Because they are sinners? No. They are worse than that. They are rebels. Don't be a rebel. Don't be a rebel. Because rebels don't have the fear of God. The Bible says in verse 20, He arose. He arose. So there is an action. That's repentance. He looked at the facts, reached a conclusion. In his will, he made a choice and he got up and he went. And what he needs, God is always the same. His father, full of compassion. Jesus looked at the crowds and he was full of compassion. Put your feelings away. Repentance is an act of will, not your feelings. Your feelings may agree, it may not agree. If it agrees, good for you. If it does not agree, tell it to shut up and keep quiet. Take an act of will and say, I choose to repent. I choose to repent. Why should I repent? Because when I repent, I can believe. I will receive the gift of faith. I can believe. And who comes? The king of glory will start coming in. And he will begin. It is not Delhi MCD's bulldozer, but Christ's bulldozer will come into your heart and into your life. Do you know what he does? Look at the next verse. This is how the preparation for the prince of glory to come. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Verse 5. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. The rough road shall be made smooth. There are a lot of places where you are deep in depression and discouragement. You will fill it up. A lot of places you have raised your own opinion. Pride is there. You touch there. It will, you will, you will snarl. Smoke will come out. You will bring it down. There are so many places you are so crooked. If God did not straighten you, when you die, you will have to be screwed into your coffin. Because that's how crooked you have become. And he makes you smooth. Filled, brought down, made straight, smooth. 
That's what our soul will become if you keep on repenting and the Lord of glory can come in. That's what repentance does. Remember, long ago we preached a message called, which sent waves across the world called sin, iniquity, transgression. It's based on this verse. This is what he does. This is what he does. Repentance always precedes belief and faith. Because we had an interesting question from US yesterday for QA. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Pastor, is it really so simple? And the answer is no. So don't take one verse from the Bible and make a doctrine, especially about salvation. The most important decision you will make. Peter says, John the Baptist says, repent. Jesus says, repent. Peter says, repent. Paul says, repent. All through the Bible, God says, repent and believe. If you believe without repenting, you haven't believed. You haven't believed. All you will have is trouble in your life. Honestly telling you. If you, without repenting, try to get Christ into your life, you will have trouble in your life. If you have doubts, ask the Philistines who took the ark into the temple of Dagon. First day, they wake up, Dagon is lying on his face. They put him back straight. It's a huge statue, by the way. It's a huge statue. They straightened and put him back. Second day, they come. He's fallen. His head is also gone. Off. Hands is also gone. Now they're wondering. And moreover, trouble started in their cup. They're looking at Yo, this ark, now we need to send. Nobody's repenting. They just want to get rid of the ark. This fellow who cannot stand before the living presence of God, who is fallen and his hands and head off, they're so respectful often. From that day onwards, the Philistines don't touch the threshold. They walk over the threshold because that is where Dagon fell. That is how what happens when your idols in your heart is touched. When Christ comes, he starts breaking down the hands and the feet and the heads of the things which are so important to you. And you know what you want? You just want God to go away. That's why you are not able to read your Bible. That's why you are not able to listen to the messages. That's why you don't come to church. Because you know what? You didn't realize if you let him come in without repenting, he comes with a hammer. And he starts breaking down idols. By the way, repentance is not remorse. Remorse is a feeling. Repentance is an action of act of will, looking at the truth of what God has spoken. Remorse is always connected with emotions. Your feelings may or may not lead you in repentance, but it is not the deciding factor. Deciding factor is you heard the truth, this is the truth, I make a choice according to the truth. Repentance is connected to God. Remorse is connected to you. Repentance is that I broke his law. I have defied his command. Remorse is, oh Lord, why did all this have to happen to me? Poor me. Because feelings are so strong in this poor me business, you think you have repented and you haven't repented at all. Tears are flowing copiously. The best tea party you are having, not the bone china, everything. What you are having, you are having a party called self-pity. 
Napkin after napkin is being used and disposed. Because feelings are so You think you have repented. You haven't repented one inch. And God is not moved by our tears. Second Corinthians 7.10 Godly sorrow produces these God words. I heard God. Godly sorrow. I heard God. Worldly sorrow brings death. It's directed towards you. Response is different. If it's godly, it's one to me. If it's worldly, it is poor me. Is it one to me or poor me? One to me. I have sinned against God. In Psalm 51, if you look at the man who did the most grievous sins ever possible, this is his response. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Why? For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before you. Look at verse 4. Against you and you only have sinned and have done this evil in your sight. I've sinned against you. No questions asked. Not who I am and she tempted me. I had to cover you. At least your name. I am king. If I fall, you know what? Sin against you. Period. God said your sin is removed from you. Matthew 27, 3 to 5. And Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful. What was he? Remorseful. Brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Did you see? Repentance leads to salvation. Remorse leads to suicide. Depression and suicide. Either you kill yourself fast or you kill yourself slowly. Every addiction is because you have not repented. You just had remorse. You had guilt. You had remorse. But you need an outlet. So you got addicted. You want to come out of your addiction? Any addiction? Every addiction is bad. You want to come out of addiction? You have to repent. Because remorse leads to death. Because you're focusing on yourself. I have. It's all about me. It's not about him. Please remember, can I quote my own words? Every area you don't repent, it will perish. Death has already come in. It's just a question of time. It's your marriage, your home, your career, your spiritual life. You can name it and you can freely claim it. It will die. This is the law God has established. Unless you repent, you too will perish. He told them. They were quoting Siloam, the tower, and Pilate mixing blood. He said, leave all that. Don't worry about the people who are dead. Worry about yourself. You don't repent. You will also die. There's a law set. 
And you never know when it will come. The problem with death is, you will never know when it will come. One guy is talking about increasing and merging many this thing, no? Acquiring new companies and God comes and says, you fool. Hey, Buddha. Aaj raat hoga. Is he prepared? No. You fool. You will die tonight. That's the problem with this. You never know when you will die. Or something can happen where everything changes. Your whole life changes upside down. You never know. You have no control over incidents. Let me tell you the truth. Absolute truth. Real, hard, cold facts. We call it truth. Because if you understand this truth, you can save a lot of time, money and energy. Time, money, energy. All three are very limited. You don't know how much time you have. Today was a gift. Tomorrow is not promised. That's why James says, when you plan something, just say, if God wills. Because you don't know whether you will be when that happens. Okay? Time, money, energy is very limited. Therefore, pick brother A. Pastor Vijay, you are brother A. Okay? And I'm telling you, really, really, how not to waste time with people. You tell, look at Pastor Vijay. Pastor Vijay, I'm telling you this. I can put all the facts before you and prove to you Jesus is the only way. There's no other way. It's absolutely 100% I can prove to you. If Jesus is the only way and I prove to you, will you repent and accept him? He will look and he will say no. I'm just using a case study, not him. Don't waste time with those people. Objectively please. You are a man of reason. Objectively consider. Oh. See our bodily posture and our religion are irrelevant. Lord, tell me how to inherit eternal life. Have you kept the commandments? Yes, one, two, three. Okay, you got one problem. Sell all that you have. And follow me. He turned and walked away. You know what is that called? Your will and yourself. Yourself says no. There must be some other way. That way, no way. The Bible says he went sadly. And the Bible does not say Jesus stopped him. Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You got only one problem. All these guys have ten problems. You got only one problem. Please come back. Please come back. I've been looking for a guy with just one problem. You are the best among the lot I have. But he said, no, you made your choice. You made your choice. You made your choice. Most people reject Jesus. Not because he's not real. Because they already decided how they want to live. They already decided how they want to live. If he's one among the gods and does not disturb you, 
they will receive him. But if he is the only one and he comes to take lordship, they will say, wait, wait. Here they will say, I don't want him. Or they will say, I'm not ready yet. Acts chapter 24, 25, 27. I think I, did I give it? Oh, good. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call to you. You have to get to the brass tacks. And people don't beat around the bush. Tell them this is the way. The only way you will reach heaven is if you repent and believe in the work of Jesus Christ. What will it cost you? Probably everything. But on the other side, joy unlimited. You have to make your choice, brother. They will say, wait, I'm not ready yet. Either will flatly say, no, I have already made my life. My choice. I made my choice. This is what I told you. We preach Christ crucified. The cross is a stumbling block. Because the cross kills yourself. And you are not willing to let go of self. Now as you recent, go away, I will call for you. Next verse. Meanwhile, he also hoped money would be given him by Paul that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, suddenly posting Dusra Agya is posted to another place. Now, Mr. Felix, there is no more voice to reason with you. Your time is up. Time is up. Please understand. Understand. Listen. Personally speaking, all of us, we have come through this, but understand if you, if you really haven't diagnosed it, like Dr. David would diagnose a disease through radiology. The problem is never intellectual. Problem is moral. It is not intellectual. Intellectually, the cross cannot be argued. If you look at it intellectually, there is no other way. God has to save man. Man cannot save himself. If man is a sinner and God is holy, God has to save him. Man cannot save himself. So the problem is never intellectual. The problem is moral. You are not willing to let go of your sin. That's the point. You are not willing to turn. You want to believe. If I can believe without turning, fine. So we have a new gospel. Confess. God says, no, you haven't turned. You haven't turned. You haven't turned. If you don't turn, you cannot believe. If you get into a train, that is going towards Delhi, but sit in the other direction. Will you reach Chennai? No, but I am facing Chennai. But the train is going that way, dude. But doesn't matter. Look at the direction I am going. But train is taking you to the other direction. Lot of people say, I believe, but they have never turned. They are sitting in the train, going to hell, but thinking they are going to heaven. Because I am sitting, but, but the train is taking you in the other direction. Your life has never changed. Your direction has never changed. Your thought life has never changed. The choices you are making has never changed. The decisions you do, the actions have never changed. It is still the same. But I believe. And James comes and says, you know what? Even demons believe. At least they tremble. But they cannot change. 
Be very, very sure about these things. We are making choices. Generally about salvation and specifically about every issue in life. You look into this, you will see. God will say something about it. Then you have to choose. About everything. There is not a single issue in life you will face where God hasn't spoken. Either in terms of precept, principle, pattern or person. Remember these four words. In precept, in principle, in pattern and person. Person ultimately is Christ Jesus. But you have a cloud of saints. You will find your answer. Once the answer is found, the question is, what will you do? Deny? Procrastinate? Or say, here I am. The doctrine of Christ is the life of Christ. You cannot have a life without doctrine because the doctrine causes you to make decisions. How you think causes you to make decisions. And people who are going to hell can make very good decision on the temporal. Eating healthy is a very good decision. Exercising is a very good decision. Working hard is a very good decision. Studying well is a very good decision. But that does not save you. The good decisions. That does not save you. So even a reasonable, rational man can make good choices connected with the temporal. But when it comes eternal, first choice is, do you repent? Second, do you believe? Order has never changed anywhere in the Bible. So God comes and says, I said before, one generation, your forefathers wandered and wasted my time, their time, my energy, their energy, my resources, your resources in the desert. Now you guys don't make that choice. I said before you life and death, blessing and curses, good and evil, you choose. They chose and they overcame and they persist. Next generation is coming, third generation. Joshua looks at them and says, I remember what Moses said. I am setting it before you. You want to go back to the old gods? Or you want to serve Yahweh? Choose. They went down, 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 finally reached the pit with Ahab. Now Elijah is standing there and asking, you choose. The Bible says the people said nothing. They don't make any choices. You show us some fireworks, then we will decide. Fireworks does not make your decision. Please remember. You read the gospel according to John very, very carefully. You will see the different kinds of people who believed in Jesus. And the Bible says his disciples believed in him because they saw the sign in Manna. He went to Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem believed in him because they saw his wonders. But the Bible says Jesus did not entrust himself to anybody who believed in miracles and believed in him. Because when the miracle ceases or another bigger miracle happens, your belief will change. Signs and wonders don't make believers. Though we need signs and wonders. When you face the truth, and you look at the truth, objectively look at the truth, and there is this gentle conviction of the Holy Spirit who says, this is the truth. Believe, repent. You have to make your choice. The most definite, absolute definite statement Jesus makes is in John chapter 7 and verse 17. 
It's a scary but unbelievable statement he makes. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know the doctrine. You know what he says? Do you want to know how God thinks? I want to know God. Do you want to know how God thinks? Because to know God is basically means how does God think? Looking at you, I really don't know. <laughs> you are how you think and how you actually act. Right? That is who you are. Not how you look. Because all of our looks are changing. We are all getting older. So it's irrelevant. What we are being set is the way we think and the way we are. So God says, Jesus comes and says, Do you want to know who God is? The doctrine of God? Do you really want to know God is? His understanding doesn't come first. You have a will. In your will, if you choose to do his will, he will tell you what his doctrine is. So you realize, in the human soul, which is the deciding factor of our life, we have this mind, we have these emotions, and then we have this will. You have to use your will to surrender to God's will. Then he will start speaking to you. As long as you haven't done that, he doesn't speak to you. You are acquiring knowledge about God from human sources, which may be true or false, but you do not know God. Knowing God is a personal revelation through the word of God. But for that, the first condition, I will to do your will. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But I look at the cross, look at the objective truth, you must be God. There can be no other God. You are the only one who can save me. Because I look in the pantheon of gods in the world, from Egypt onwards to every pagan religion, I realize one thing. Only you have died for me. Judaism talks about Abraham, but they denied the death of Christ. Islam talks about Abraham, they denied the cross. But I believe that's the only way. There can be no two ways. That is the only way. Therefore, when I look at it, you are the living God, Christ Jesus, I bend my knee. God says, now I can speak to you. As long as that has not happened, God will not. And you suddenly realize as you go further and further, there is constant surrender. Because God is showing your will. And every time you come into this crossroad, His will and my will. Question is, who will die? If you die, He lives. If He dies, you live. Choose this day. Who shall live? What is your life? Very simple. Don't make it complicated. This is not calculus. This is life. And we choose every day. God does not choose for us. He presents the facts, which is truth. And he says, choose. He says, I will tell you what to do. I will counsel you. But you have to choose. Remember John chapter 5 verse 40? But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. He says, it is not that you, you cannot come to me. Cannot come to me. You are not willing to come to me. If you wanted. If you wanted. Every one of you could have come to church before time. At least on time. Could have. You are not willing. If you are willing, you could have come. 
don't blame your children they are not responsible psychology says child is the father of man that is psychology not the truth you are the father other one is the child the your child is leading you then go back to college because we all had children service was at 7:30 was never late never late wouldn't be late it didn't matter what time service was there was no question of being late whether it was 5 6 in the morning 7:30 in the morning 8:30 in the morning 10:30 in the morning 2 in the afternoon 6 in the evening i'm talking about the services i have taken in the underground churches in one sunday eight services and for the first service there is no cab nothing you walked 15 kilometers one way and 15 kilometers back way for the second service because you knew who he was and you had committed yourself to his and i will do it distance did not matter in the biting sub zero temperature you walk because you made your word not to man to god you would be there to preach so don't tell me you cannot you will not every church in the world i have preached i tell them Chinese proverb a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step if you cannot come to the house of god on the lord's day on time you will struggle because that's your first step of faith honoring him lord i am not looking at the people let pastor be late but i know you are never late because it is written in the fullness of time he came is never late he has never come to this church from the first day till today at 9:05 he's been here always at 9 we were late he was never late it is not that you cannot we will not we have choices please this is truth oh pastor is condemning i am not condemning anybody ask my wife what i told her this morning ask her to i said honey when we have money the first thing i'm going to do is buy another car and get another driver so that i can come half an hour early to church you come late i want to be in church early the first thing i want to do is get another car and because they won't let me drive a two wheeler for other reasons but i want to reach church on time before time You know how I began my life in Hyderabad when my first time I found a church in my life. I never had a church. I got saved outside the church. I found a church in Hyderabad, and service was at nine o'clock. And I was a young, in my twenties, in nineteen ninety-one. You know how I came? The church was at YMC at Secunderabad. You know what time I came to church? At eight fifteen. Do you know where we were? Me, Philip Omondi from Kenya. and two other nigerian brothers who had come to do a course for of us behind the curtain that is how we were you know what we were doing we were praying that no one would see us but you would be praying till the other people came to set us up that's how my life began in church in hyderabad i was not in ministry it was a joy of finding a church and i knew what a church was like there is a place called home there is a place where god's people gather and god is there 
there is a place where the word of God is taught and I've never heard that. Don't tell me you cannot. We will not. We will not. And I didn't even know how to drive. Took an auto and came. And I was a student. I did flow. So let us look unto Jesus. Because we have to learn from Jesus, right? First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Let's lead man and woman beside. Let's look at Christ. Who is Christ's head? What is your head? The Bhutanese language, tough language called Zongkha. You call this Guto. What is this? Guto. Sometimes as a lecturer, I used to tell Chiki Guto Maga name in Meaning there's nothing in your head, just dandruff. What is this? Your head. What is in your head? Your mind. Who is the head of Christ? Who is the head of Christ? What does that mean? He thinks for me. I am not an autonomous being. I have a will of my own. But I am not an autonomous being. He thinks for me. I hear and I execute it. I will not think and make choices for myself. He is my head. Who is your head? Who is your head? We get so worried about the head of woman is man. Forget it. Who is your head? Let's be practical. Let's leave man and woman aside for a minute. Let's talk about Christ. Because he came to show us the way. Where does true liberty lie? Where does true freedom lie? Every cry in every country is liberty, liberty, liberty. Here is one man who walked in liberty from the beginning till the end. Because he said, I am not my head. He is my head. I don't think for myself. I will let him think for myself. My job is to hear and hear clearly. Very practical. John chapter 8, 26 to 29. I have many things to say to you concerning me. Okay. They did not understand. He spoke to them. The speak to the world those things which I... He says, whatever I am telling you. In the beginning was the word. The word was with word. The word was with God. All things. That is John telling, which is the truth. I am not telling you any of those things. I am telling you whatever I am telling you. I have heard from the Father. I'm telling you, I heard from the Father. I'm not telling you anything on my own. Though I am God, I can speak on my own. When I came in, I made a decision. I've come to do your will, not my will. If I have to do my, your will, then I have to hear what you say. Next verse. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, that I do nothing of myself. I As my father taught me, I speak these things. My father taught me. And I heard. That's how God becomes your head. Who taught you? Christ is my father taught me. And the father has not left me alone because I always do things that please him. I heard, he taught, I did and he's pleased with me. And you know what? He never leaves me. He's never left me. John 5, verse 19 and 20. 
Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So I heard, he taught, I did. Not only that, I did it the way he does things. I didn't hear and do it my way. I heard and did it his way. So if you see me, you have seen the Father. But there's no difference. I have not come to live my life. I have not come to do my will. I have come to do his will, his thoughts, his ways. Therefore the Father lives in me. So the question is, how does then the man say, Christ is my head? Simply in the same way. How did God become Christ's head when he came in the flesh? The same way Christ becomes man's head in the same way. You hear, you are taught, and you do it exactly the same way. How does the man become the woman's head? Exactly the same way. Is there any problem? The problem is not with God. The problem is with us. The man won't accept Christ as his head. The woman won't accept man as the head. So we have a problem with our head. And madness is creeping all around the world. People don't know what is wrong. Insanity. Why? We lost our head. I said when it comes to these things, your feelings are irrelevant. A man or a woman. Looks into this. You said. That's enough for me. You said. That's enough for me. Oh no. That's not enough. I need a prophecy. A vision. And an added dream would be excellent. No you don't need any of those things. 95% of the issues in the life is already covered, if not everything. The specific will is the only problem. But don't worry about it. You handle general will. Specific will will meet you on the way. Everybody is looking for specific will. God is saying, what about general will, please? Can you do that? Psalm 23 verse 5. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my... Let's leave that aside. Read the next one all together. You? You anoint? What's in your head? Everybody is running for anointing. Anointing meeting there, anointing meeting there, anointing... Everybody is running for anointing. The problem is not with the anointing. The problem is what is in your head. What is in your head? I'll give you three verses. First Samuel 10, 1. First Samuel 16, 13. First Kings 1, 39. Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on his head and kissed him. Who is this? Saul. First Samuel 16, 13. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Then, first Kings 1, 39. Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle, anointed Solomon. Let me ask you this thing. Is it written, one was olive oil, the other was coconut oil. Third one was telugu, so it was gingerly oil. Is it written? It's all oil, right? 
So what was the difference with these three people? The head. The mind. The problem was the head. The anoint, in two cases, even the prophet was the same. The third case, the prophet was the lesser prophet. So what was the problem? First problem with Saul, head is empty. All flesh. Feelings, feelings, feelings and flesh. Pomp, ceremony. Head was empty. So anointing, it didn't know anything. It killed him. Third man over Saul, called Solomon, began well. Then the soul started puffing up. He started going PhD in pleasure, PhD in wine, PhD in construction. He went that way. End of the day, his testimony, his PhD is there. His end note is there. Empty, 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 empty. The problem with all these three people was they made choices. And then there was a man in the middle called David. Goofed up more than these two guys. But there is one thing about David. He feared God. And he loved God. And therefore, the anointing worked. Anointing worked because of his head. How he dealt with thoughts and issues in his life. He always came back to God. So in the last days, God says, I will rebuild the broken down tabernacle of David, not the great temple of Solomon. That is for the Jews, for the Antichrist to sit. Christ will sit in the broken down tabernacle of David. Because God says, he was a man after my own heart. Please let me tell you, your soul is a deciding factor. Soul is a deciding factor. And in your soul, there is something called your will. Not your mind. Not your mind. If Pastor Vijay is brilliant in maths, it's because he used his will, or rather his parents used his will to teach him math. And he learned to choose. If I went into humanities, because I used my will to go into humanities and rejected math. But I keep telling the young people, just because I loved humanities, went into humanities, don't ever think I did not pass math. Because I still had a will. And I got 90% in plus to my last year of math in board exam. And after that, promptly forgot it. Used my will to score and forgot it. So don't tell me you cannot. Everybody here, we says, if you put, apply your mind to it, they will say. You know how we apply your mind? You use your will to apply your mind. That is called focus. Focus. Using your will on your mind is what is called focus. You know what happens with a generation? You don't know how to focus. Everyone who has focused has been successful with their mind. Mind is scattered around. That is why the cable in your homes gives you 500 channels and you have no clue what to watch. Scattered! Mind has no focus because you have not used your will to focus your mind on God. 
you have feelings but you have not used your mind to bring your feelings under control and says you are my servant not my boss because when the knowledge of god comes your will has to make a choice i'm going to focus my mind on the knowledge of god and i'm going to make my feelings and both my mind a servant i make the decision god's spirit will speak to you but he leaves to you to make the choice he will never push you to make a choice then we would be robots artificial intelligence Luke 15 and verse 12 What did the younger son say Father give me the portion of goods that falls unto me so he divided to them his livelihood now we condone we bring jewish history and he was talking about his father's inheritance when the father is living what kind of a son forget that all let's be practical practical if my five children two or one of the five children come and ask me father can you give me some money how much do you want let us say this i want to start something on my own give me this much the question is when he got his inheritance he had many choices so many choices to take his inheritance and invest it and become a great entrepreneur like i told you president trump his father gave him a million dollars he took it and made it into 5 or 6 billion he never quit he made some mistakes some good investments so everybody has been given inheritance this fellow also was given an inheritance so he had so many choices open before him look at what is written in verse 13 after not many days after he gathered all together journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions that was the problem not taking the money but wasting it you know why he wasted because he went far away from the source of wisdom he didn't want to be anywhere close he didn't want to be anywhere close he went far and father and father and father the father's house represents the place where you hear the voice of god the further you go away from it you're wasting your eternal resources your time like i keep saying your time is your inheritance today you got only 24 hours when you woke up in the morning time started clicking so depending upon your time when i woke up in the morning already 3 hours 25 minutes of this day is gone i was to have left 24 21 hours 25 minutes left it's your inheritance it's your inheritance do you remember the old story when i said about i going to a un camp in nepal un camp there's a set of people who generation lived and died in the un camp and they called me to teach the pastors they were all hindus but when they reached there christ came in because in trouble you find only one who can save you but they can do nothing they cannot work because that's the conditions in nepal from a third country cannot go to india cannot work in nepal cannot go back to the country that kicked them out they are sitting over here just wasting their life and then one day and they just get 5 kilos of rice few potatoes little salt every day has a ration from un and they're living like that so they send a chit at the end of q and a and said what can we do what can we do 
I never faced a situation like this. You need divine intervention because you're looking at troubled people. Lord, I said, give me an answer. And he told me, this is what you tell them. He said, you go to any part of the world. Everywhere. What do they say? We have no time. I said, you have all the time in the world and nothing to do. Start praying for the country that kicked you out, the country that took you in, the country on the other side, and the country on the other side. Start praying. You go back to those same places. All the camps are shut now. Everybody was given a place, either in US, Sweden, all of Europe, Australia, and wherever they went, they planted churches. Because even when you have nothing and been restricted by governments, you still have choices. You have a choice. And when you make the right choice, there is someone who can overrule every restriction and move your life and give you a destiny. Will you pray? And they prayed. Three countries locked them in. One country said you will never come back. Second country said you cannot step inside. India said you cannot come in here. Locked in not by one government, three governments. Living on the charity of UN. Not anymore. Choices. What was his choice? It is called waste. That's why Jesus said after feeding the 5,000, don't waste. Pick up the fragments. And they carried 12 baskets full. Because there was no waste in God's kingdom. Don't waste. Don't waste. It's a choice. Children, it is a choice. So to repent is a choice. It's an act of will. Lord, help me. Lord, I want to turn and I will turn. If you're so far gone away, I gave the church. There is this unbelievable promise in the worst period in Israel's history, the book of tears called Lamentations 521. I didn't give it to you, but 521. If you have come to this point where you have no strength at all, then read Lamentations 5 and verse 21. Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be rest. Lord, I have no strength to turn. Would you please turn me? And God will. We don't know what happened that night or that morning in the Samaritan woman's heart mind. She must have said, Lord, I am tired. I am alone. Nobody will even talk to me. Nobody will come to me. To the well to gather water. I have to go at 12 o'clock to avoid people. Not even this dude I am living with will come with me. When he steps out of the house, I have to be alone. He will not walk with me. Everybody is ashamed of me. Lord, please help me. And God said, I will turn you. I will turn you. You have no strength to turn? I will turn you. I am not sending you an angel. I am not sending a prophet. I am not sending an apostle. I'm not sending you an evangelist. I'm sending you my son. I heard your cry. My son will personally come to you, wait for you, and he will turn you. 
It's a choice. You can will to pray this prayer. Lord, would you please turn me back? I heard pastors say, I know this is true. I know it is the facts. But I have gone so far away. My will itself is warped. Would you please turn me? Would you please turn me? Because the only thing that stands in the way is yourself. Yourself. Modern psychology calls it ego. Yourself. What will people think about me? You know what ego is? Ego means edging God out. When ego comes, God goes out. It's all got to do with yourself. Yourself. Self-promotion. Self-indulgence. Self-pity. Does the Bible record the name of the fish that swallowed Jonah? No? It is. You know what swallowed Jonah? It is called selfish. If you want to know a man who so self-willed, hell-bent on disobeying God. Read Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. The rest of the world is hoping to hear the word of the Lord. This comes to him. And what does he say? Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. Look at him. Jonah arose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of God. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarsus, so he paid the fare, went down into it, went to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. What a self-willed prophet. Interesting, right? He's the most self-centered prophet you will meet in the Bible. Self-willed man. Now read Luke um, Jonah 3.10, when what he says, he did not expect it to happen. Nobody can ever get, can change with the message that he has been given. Only God can do these things. It's very clear in Jonah chapter 2. Don't change the word I give you. You will speak what the word I give you. What is the word of what I give you? 40 days and then I will be no more. No call to salvation. No repentance. Believe brother, nothing. 40 days and then I will be no more. First day, it is a 60 mile city. First day, 20 miles. Second day, 20 miles. Third day is finished. Every mile he is saying, 20 days, um, 40 days, then I will be no more. 40 days, then I will be no more. Imagine who will ever preach a message like that. But thank God the belly of the fish taught him a lesson, he obeyed, spoke the message, everybody repented. So do speak what God tells you to speak. Because the power of God does not rest in your eloquence or your wisdom in what God has told you. Because the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man. When God tells you something, don't look at the crowd. Don't try to be politically correct. Just say it as it is. Because the power rests on what he has said. And when everybody turns, never in human history, as an entire city, every citizen repented, this is what happened. God saw their works, they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon it, and he did not do it. 
Interesting is chapter 4, 1 to 3. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. Look at his prayer. A Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarsus. For I know that you are a gracious and a merciful God. Slow to anger, abundant loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. Meaning, this man knows God. And yet, will go only his way. Therefore, Lord, they are all alive. But I want to die. <laughs> This is called self-pity. You need to understand the nature of the human self, the fallen nature of the self. It is so hell-bent on having its own way. I was telling Pastor Vijay and the Q&A yesterday. Every problem in every home will die the minute self dies. Problem is called, created by Mr. Self. The self dies, problem is right. Try waving one hand. Now put both hands together. Why did you hear a sound? It took two ectoic hands. If one person in the family dies, there will be peace. If two people in the family die, there will be joy. That is original. Don't go for joy first. Go for peace first. It's as simple. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. I know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. I think, how many things are listed there? 18 things are listed there because of the last days. Perilous times. Basically demonic times. You know it very well. You're scholars, right? The word perilous is only used with a man in gatherings. That is the way the last days will be. This, 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 this. Lovers of them, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemy, all the whole list is thin. But do you know, why does all these things happen in the last days? The simple reason is people are lovers of themselves. That is the root cause. You deal with this, the rest will all go away. Lord, help me not to love money for stop loving yourself. Because why do you need money to feed yourself? The entire problem is with this fellow. Self. Men will be lovers of themselves. That's why we have perilous times. The day you stop. Are you getting the picture? You have to deal with, and don't make it into, Lord, I need more annoying thing to break this self. No, you just make a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. It's got nothing to do with anointing. It's a choice. You can choose to forgive. Not to get offended is a choice. To be grateful is a choice. To praise God is a choice. To thank God is a choice. 
to be kind is a choice. To consider yourself unworthy in the light of facts presented in the gospel is a choice. To humble yourself is a choice. Never in the Bible does God say he will humble you. He says humble yourself. Meaning it can be done. Humbling yourself is not taking the last seat in the church. It's sitting last seat in a party and first seat in the church. A lot of people who sit in the shadows, live in the shadows and die in the shadows. And they think they are humble because they sit at the back when they can sit in the front. I'm not talking about parents with children and all. I'm not talking about that. That's not humility. That's just yourself. Every church. These are all choices. It's got nothing to do with the other person. I gave you examples through the last week. Right? Let's imagine uh, I, am me- I am mad with Pastor Vijay. I said something. Have I ever been mad with you? Never. No. <laughs> In 15 years we have never been mad. Okay, I said something to him. Okay? Now I said something and I forgot. But he's offended. Okay? Now he has a choice. Lord, I choose to forgive Pastor, Pastor James. But he doesn't do that. I am busily going ahead, doing my stuff, having, enjoying my afternoon, malu, lunch, everything. He is miserable because in his mind, Pastor Vijay is going around, James is going around. I remember what he said, I remember. So for whose sake is God saying forgive? For the person or for you? For you. It doesn't matter the other person repents or does not repent, hears or does not. He says, I'm trying to set you free. Don't be offended. Why? Because if you are offended, you cannot hear the word of God. It's for your benefit. Be grateful. These are choices. In your will, you can. You can choose. The Spirit of God very gently during the word you read or study or teach or preach, very gently prompts you. And the soul has to obey. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. So who is speaking to whom? The Spirit is speaking to the soul. Would you please make a decision? Would you please make a decision to bless Him? I will give you reasons. Mind is giving the reasons. He has forgiven all your iniquities. Healed you of all the diseases. And He has delivered you from destruction. Crowned you with loving kindness and mercy. Would you please bless Him? It's a choice. It's a choice. Nobody has to see it. Nobody has to know it. It's just between you and God. You wake up first thing in the morning. One more day. I know I don't deserve it. It's a gift. Thank you. Thank you. These are choices. You don't need prayer for this. You don't need anointing for this. All you have to do for most things is make a simple choice. That is the difference of the human being. He's been given a will. A will. Do you remember the prodigal son? Let's go back to him. Verse 18 and 19. 15, 18 and 19. I'm skipping through passages. 
I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Acknowledging. Then, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Oh, make me like one of your hired servants. Do you know what he suddenly realized when he reached the pig pen? And his memory bank started activating again, looking where he had come from, the goodness of his father. He says, you know what? I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. All I'm making, I have no rights. All I'm making is a request. Not one of your servants. Because there are many servants who are higher up. The lowest, the hired ones. Would you make me one of them? This is what it means to come to the end of yourself. There's no self there. I am a sinner. Saved by mercy. Saved by grace. I'm not worthy. I'm not even good enough to be one of your servants. Would you hire me, please? Don't look at my qualifications. I have no qualifications. I have no qualifications. That's what Jesus said. After you have done everything, say yourself, unworthy, unprofitable servants. That's what we are. So humility is a choice. And humility is an action. You have to consistently do certain things that proves to you, not in the eyes of man, in the eyes of God, that you are a servant. Because there are certain things which only servants do in our house. And you choose to do it consciously, regularly, so you are telling yourself, it doesn't matter how I go up, I am always a servant and nothing else. And I will not let you take any other place. You know why? Because my worst enemy is my Self. Why is this so important? Genesis 6.3. Let us close. And the Lord said, What is that? My spirit shall not strive with man forever. How many years? How many years? To which generation? Noah lived 963 years. Noah's Methuselah lived 969 years. Jared lived 950 years. Lamech was the only man who lived 777 years. Everybody lived 950 years. So if you look for 950 years, median age, you give 120 years. How much time do you have? Give me math. Hmm? 720 years left, right? Or 30 years left. Meaning, you divide it. So if you, on an average, let us say you live for 80 years, how many years do you think the Spirit of God will strive with you? See, oh, 120 years. Thank you, Lord. I am only 17 years old. Wait, dummy. He's talking to people who lived 950 years. How long do you think he's going to strive and strive and strive and finally God the Father and the Son says, leave Ephraim alone. He's joined with idols. Leave him alone. Let him go his own way. That is the issue. That is the issue. And sometimes he doesn't let you go. He takes you all the way, allows you to go your own way till the big bend. Back against the wall. No. 
You know the actual prodigal son in the in the Bible? It's a man called Manasseh. God uses with hooks, he pulled him to Babylon and put him in prison. And from there he cried out. Lord have mercy. Reach them? Fill Jerusalem with blood? Did all these atrocities? You wouldn't listen to me? Your people wouldn't listen to me. Have you reached the end? Yes, Lord. Brought him back and he repented and walked in the ways of God for the rest of his life. That is what it means. That is what it means. It is still the mercy of God. Still the mercy of God. So, so church, turn your negatives into positive. Terrible things can happen to you. Don't make it into self-pity party. Turn it around. And I want to look at one final verse in Proverbs chapter 31. Pastor Vijay taught on that yesterday. Verses 1 to 3. I didn't give it to you. Just coming to your mind. Just one. The words of King Lomuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. Son, what my son? What son of my womb? What son of my vows? Almost all Jewish and Christian scholars say King Lomuel, like Agor, is Solomon. So who is saying this? Who is saying this? Bethsheba. We don't know anything about Bethsheba. Except she bathed one day in public. David took her. She conceived. The child died. She went through. What she went through, we do not know. Right? What she went through, we do not know. A long time ago, I think a priest on Bethsheba. What she went through. But there is something she did when she conceived Solomon. She made a vow to God. I lost a child because of my sin. Give me another child. I promise you, I will raise him up to serve you. That is Solomon. Committed adultery. Husband was killed. The child she conceived died. And then when she conceives, God says, she tells God, you are the son of my vow. I have made a vow to you. That's why it is the prophecy of Bethsheba. So it doesn't matter what you went through. You can repent, turn around and make a vow to God. Lord, the rest of my life, I give it over to you. Would you please choose for me? Would you please choose for me? I want to make the right choices. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. Whatever life I have left, I don't want to give up. I made my mess. I raise my hands and surrender. It is no longer my will. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. It does not matter. The only thing is that in your will would you make a choice today. You have a will. And I have given you the reasons. Line after line. Verse after verse. Is a reason of a holy, all-powerful God who loves us and sent all His only Son to die for us. And He came and He showed us a way. This is how God was my head. And this is how I can be your head. I'll tell you how to think. I will tell you how to do. Would you just listen and obey? 
That is what it means. Repent and believe in God. All the days of our life, these two pillars will be there. Repent and believe. The rest of them, no. Baptism, laying of hands, resurrection of the judge, all the dead, judgment. No. These two things from the beginning to the last days. We'll have to keep turning. Keep turning. And keep believing. Keep turning. Keep believing. And you know what? The anointing starts to work. Why? Because your headship is changing. Christ is now your head. Bring your mind, bring your feelings to the subjection of your will and direct your will towards God. Lord, I choose to do your will. Teach me doctrine. Teach me doctrine. I want to know how you think. I want to know your ways. That is Moses. Teach me your ways. The Bible says, God showed his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people. And God said to Aaron, his elder brother, and his sister, Miriam, elder sister, how dare you talk to Moses, my servant. You thought he was your younger brother? You thought it was family? That's my man. And I talked to him face to face. I talked to him face to face. If your father had spat upon your face, what would be done to you? Let her stand outside the camp for seven days, leprous, so the whole world will know she spoke against my servant, to whom I speak face to face. You know why? Because this man, who was prince of Egypt, went on his knees one day and said, Not my will, your will alone, Lord. Teach me doctrine. Therefore, I showed him my ways. He's the only man in the Bible recorded who was buried by God. He did not even allow human hands to bury him. I will bury you personally because you are mine. And to think about these things seriously. So think, make those choices, little, little choices. Shall we stand? Shall we pray this evening, morning? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Nothing has changed in the 6,000 years of human history. You are the same God. You never change. Even today, you set before us life and death, blessing and curses, good and evil. And you tell us, choose life. I am your life. Jesus, you said, I have come to give you life. Life in abundance. Lord, every time we choose you, what we receive is not a blessing. It's more than a blessing. What we receive is life. Your life. And I pray, Father, young and old today, every one of us, starting now, would make good choices. True choices. Choices that will have significance not just in this life but in eternity. All of eternity. You're a merciful God. Gracious God. You're just waiting for us to turn and make the right choice. And your life will start flowing into us. And today I pray here and around the world the children will make their choices. Will actually say in their heart and with their mouth, I choose Jesus. 
I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. Not my will. But your will be done, Lord, in my life. So help me, Lord. I'm so weak. I'm so far gone. But Lord, if you turn me, I will be restored. I'm so far gone into addiction. Whatever it is. I'm so far gone into the world. I'm so far gone into the streets. I'm so far gone. But I heard, I don't have the strength to turn. But Lord, if you turn me, I know I will be restored. All I can do is with that little strength of my little will, just say, Lord, help me. And Peter cried, Lord, help me. You reached him out and pulled him out of the sea. Pull us out, Lord. Otherwise, we will just sink and be lost. The waters will cover our heads. We are weak. You are strong. But in our weakness, we choose. We choose Christ. We choose you. We choose you, Lord. So help us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. As we go through the rest of the ten days of this month, strengthen your people. Empower your people. Give us wisdom and understanding above all the discernment to choose right that we may love. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people in your name. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen. God bless you.